Revelation chapter number 20. I'm going to do my best not to be lengthy at all tonight, and we're going to baptize at the end of the service this evening. We're going to baptize, and so we're always excited about, about baptizing, and then we have a few meetings and things, and so we're going to, we're going to get right through this tonight. And uh, boy, I never thought we'd still be here in uh, November, and so we started this in July. I was just gonna, I was just gonna take a, a few Sundays. I was just gonna teach on biblical prophecy, and uh, anyway, here we are. We're still here in November, but it's been good. And uh, and when I say it's been good, what I mean is, man, the Lord's taught me some stuff, and I've learned some stuff, and it's it's been helpful to me personally, and I hope it's been helpful to you as well. And so I really thought last week was going to be our last installment in this uh, series, but the Lord just, it seemed like the Lord just continues to speak. And boy, I'm going to tell you, have you ever noticed the more you read and study this thing, it's inexhaustible. It just, it's just, there's fre- it's fresh, there's freshness every day. It's like fresh bread, it's like manna that falls from heaven. It's always new and fresh, and that's how the Word of God is, and so when you find your place in Revelation 20, let's all stand tonight. And I'm going to talk to you about uh, a question that many of you have asked throughout the course of this study. You've asked this question. I'll get to the question in just a minute. Uh, but many of you have asked this, how, why? You know, and you, you'll know what I'm talking about here in just a little bit. Revelation 20, let's start in verse 7, and we'll read down through verse number 15. The Bible says, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. And brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, I want to take you back up to verse 8 because that's our text tonight. The Bible says, after Satan is loose, verse 8, and shall go out to deceive the nations which in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, notice this last statement, to gather them together to battle, look at this, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And so that last great rebellion, the number will be as the sand of the sea. I want to talk about that subject just a little bit tonight. Many of you have been asking questions about that, and I think we'll answer that this evening. And so you may may have a seat. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I want to talk to you about the very last rebellion. And by the way, this is it. This is it. This is the last rebellion, and uh, all things are going to be put down, and uh, eternity will begin. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege 
to be back in church again tonight. Thank you for the wonderful, wonderful service that we had this morning. And now, Lord, as we, uh, as we end up the night with a few moments of teaching and preaching, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would, uh, uh, Lord, that you would engage your people into the service. I pray that you would ignite their desire to learn. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would teach us something from your precious word tonight. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll save the lost. I pray that you'll encourage the saved. And God, I pray that you teach us your word tonight. We plead the blood of Jesus over the service, over the people, over the pastor. We plead the blood of Jesus over this time. And so, Heavenly Father, put a hedge about us and, and please protect us. And I pray that your perfect will will be done tonight. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. And so we've been, we, we brought several messages on what we call the millennial reign of Christ. And we, we find here in Revelation chapter 20 that during the millennial reign of Christ that Satan is going to be bound. The Bible says that he will be bound for most of the millennial reign of Christ. But to also, uh, the Bible also tells us that for a little time, for a little season, that at the end Satan will be released. And our Bible tells us that during that time, he will go out to, quote, deceive the nations. And he'll do that in an attempt to convince them to rebel against the Lord. Now, uh, that's been the question. We've been talking about the millennial reign of Christ and, and all that sort of encompasses that. And we talk about those that are living in the millennial reign of Christ. And we did several, tried to do several, uh, you know, some visual illustrations. And the question that I got more than any problem was this, preacher, why? Why would people in the millennial reign of Christ, I mean, they've made it. I mean, the tribulation is over. The millennial reign of Christ is here. Eternity will soon start. Why would those in the millennial reign of Christ, why, what would convince them to rebel against the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'll answer that tonight. But evidently, the Bible tells us that the number of this rebellion will be as the sand of the sea. Now, church, that's sad, isn't it? And now, again, teach, preach, whatever I'll do tonight, but I want you to just think with me. These folks that are in the millennial reign of Christ, they are, in, they are within sight of eternity. I mean, man, we're, listen, they, they are knocking on the door. I mean, eternity is, I mean, the new heaven, the new earth is, is getting ready to be here, and God is, is getting ready to put down the devil for the last time. And, and, uh, uh, and yet these that are living in the millennial reign of Christ will one last time, they will join efforts with Satan, and they will rebel against the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Why will so many be deceived in the millennial reign of Christ? On top of that, think about this. During the millennial reign of Christ, the curse will be lifted. We learned that. And again, that we won't go back there, but uh, Isaiah 65, verse 21, remember that? The Bible says that men will live like trees. In other words, men will live for hundreds of years. The curse will be lifted. There'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more death, at least not like we know it today. There'll be, uh, there, there won't be, you know, problems and turmoil and, and there won't be war like we know it right now. And so the curse 
will be lifted. The Bible says the lamb will lay down with the lion. And, and the Bible tells us that the lion's going to graze like the cattle. And, uh, and the Bible tells us that the child will put its whole, a hand on the hole of the ass, the poisonous serpent. And, uh, and it won't have to worry about that because, uh, uh, you know, it won't have to worry about being bitten and dying. Uh, why? Because the curse will be lifted. And I'll tell you something else about the little red of Christ. Jesus will be the exalted leader. He'll be prophet, priest, and king. You'll never see another political ad the rest of your life. Isn't that a blessing? There'll be no Democratic Party. There'll be no Republican Party. There'll be no independent or moderate. Uh, Jesus will be prophet, priest, and king. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, for he must reign Till he hath put all enemies under his feet. So the millennial reign of Christ, wow, what a time it's going to be. The curse is going to be lifted. Uh, we won't have to worry about death like we worry about it now. We won't have to worry about uh, the uh, predatorial animals like we do now, the poisonous snakes like we do now. We won't have to worry about uh, cancer and Alzheimer's and dementia and, and all those things like we have to worry about it now. The curse will be lifted. Jesus will be the exalted leader. And I want to tell you something else about the millennial of Christ that maybe you didn't know. During that 1,000 years, biblical teaching will be prevalent. Now, we have not hit that one, and so I want to I pay a little tribute to that tonight. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah chapter 2, and you say, preacher, what are we going to do during the millennial reign of Christ? That thousand years, uh, of course, the church will be here in glorified bodies. Uh, some will come from the tribulation period and not receiving the mark of the, uh, the, mark of the beast, and, and so they will be ushered into the millennial reign of Christ, but they'll have mortal bodies, and uh, but the curse will be lifted. But during that 1,000 years, the Bible tells us that we will rule and reign with Jesus. But also we notice that biblical teaching will take place during the millennial reign of Christ. Look, if you will, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. Uh, For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So I can tell you this, one of the things that's going to happen during the 1,000-year millennium of Christ is that biblical teaching is going to be going out. And we're going to be learning the word of God even during that 1,000-year millennial reign. So here's the question, preacher, if that be the case, if the curse is going to be lifted, if Jesus is going to be here and people are going to see him, they're going to experience him, they're going to hear him, they're going to see him, if biblical teaching is going to be prevalent during that 1,000 years, then why will so many rebel against the kingdom of Christ? And end up being put down. Why, preacher? Why will it will be as the sand of the sea? Why? What will convince people to rebel against the Son of God? Well, I started thinking about that and praying about that and studying about that, and God began to give me some things. And I want to just share a couple few thoughts with you real quickly tonight. Why is it that so many will rebel during the millennial reign of Christ? Number one, notice this church, because the heart of man is desperately wicked. And I'm going to be honest, we could really stop right there. 
Because that's probably the main reason. Why is it, preacher, that so many, I mean, they're just, just this side of eternity. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning, prophet, priest, and king. They not only see him, they hear him, they can touch him, they can experience him. The curse is lifted. Biblical teaching is going out throughout the earth, and yet many will rebel against the Lord. And somebody says, preacher, why is that? And this is the reason. Because the heart of man is desperately wicked. Now take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn to Jeremiah chapter 17 and look at verse number 9. And notice what the prophet Jeremiah tells us. He tells us something about our heart. And this is every one of us. Jeremiah 17 and verse number 9. The prophet Jeremiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says it like this. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. And then Jeremiah says, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Hey, church, I wrote this down. The truth is man doesn't need an excuse to rebel because rebellion is in his heart. And so why is it that so many are gonna rebel against the Lord? Because it's there. Listen, if you've not been born again, if you've not been made new by the Holy Spirit of God, listen, that rebellion is in your heart. Proverbs 17, 11, the Bible says, an evil man seeketh only rebellion. Mark chapter seven, verse number 20, and he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from, from, from within and defile the man. By the way, that's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking there. And the Lord's saying this, all those evil things, you know where they come from? They come from the heart. They come from the inside of a man. Ephesians chapter four, verse 18 says it like this. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto us lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now church, listen to me. We, we know this. We don't understand all this, but we know this. That in the millennial reign of Christ, that 1,000 year span, that's really gonna be a glorified honeymoon. Jesus is gonna come back. He's gonna set up his kingdom on the earth. The curse is gonna be lifted. It's gonna be a wonderful time. Those that are part of the church are gonna rule and we're gonna reign with him. We're gonna have a glorified body. Those that have come through the tribulation period and, and, and were believers and did not receive the mark of the beast will be ushered into the millennial reign of Christ, but they'll be an immortal body. Uh, and so it's gonna, be a, it's gonna be a wonderful, wonderful time. But many, many will rebel against the Lord and in the end they will rise up against him in rebellion and revolution and the reason for that is this because their heart is desperately wicked. Now listen, that's not just good prophetic teaching there's a good life lesson right there and that's this our heart's the same way. Our heart is desperately wicked. Now God saved you and if you're here tonight and you say, preacher, I'm saved, praise the Lord for that, and I'm glad you're saved, but I got news for you, when you're not saved, nothing much happened to your body. Your body's not saved. 
Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so thank God you're saved. Thank God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But how many know this? We've still got that old nature. We've still got that Adamic nature. We've still got that fallen nature. We've still got those temptations and those struggles and those battles that we deal with on a regular basis. And listen, it's good for us to understand something, that man's heart is desperately wicked. You say, preacher, I wish you wouldn't preach that. Listen, I have to preach that because it's true. And by the way, those preachers who won't preach that ought to start preaching that. Uh, Listen, man's heart is desperately wicked. Now, you say, okay, pastor, what's that have to do with me? Well, I wrote a a few things down. That's exactly why you and I need church. That's why we need preaching. That's why we need Sunday school. That's why we need a personal walk with Jesus Christ. That's why we need to listen to good Christian music. Why? Because our heart is desperately wicked. Man, if you don't watch what you're doing, you'll be on the sidelines. If you don't watch what you're doing, if you don't guard your testimony, if you don't guard guard your walk, you know what will happen? Man, before you know it, you'll be sideways with the Lord. You'll be out of church. You'll be out of your Bible. You'll be out of the, come on now, church. You'll be out of the will of God. And you'll say, preacher, won't ever happen to me. Listen, that's the people it usually happens to. Oh, listen, whenever you get to that place, you think, listen, you know what? What brother so-and-so did will never happen to me. Listen, friend, you better understand something. Your heart is desperately wicked. Now, you say, Pastor, that's not very good news. Not very good news, but realistic news. And so you say, Pastor, you plan on being in church Wednesday? You got that right. You say, why are you planning on being here? Because you're the pastor? Well, I'm planning on being here because I'm the pastor, yes. But I'm planning on being here on Wednesday. You know why? Because my heart's desperately wicked. Yes. I'm planning on being here Sunday. I'm planning on being here for Sunday school. Yes, you say, why do you come to Sunday school? Because my heart's desperately wicked. It's why I come on Sunday morning. It's why I come on Sunday nights. It's why I come to revival. It's why I get involved in the program in the church and uh, as much as I can. Why? Because my heart is desperately wicked. Amen. Amen. And somebody says, well, preacher, I just don't need church like you do. Well, I'm just telling us that the Bible says our heart is desperately wicked. And these things like church and preaching and Sunday school and walking with God. Listen, all these things, you know what they do? They help us make a, make a new creature out of us. They curb the desires of a wicked heart. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And look, look, if you will, at verse number 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. Well, look, at, look at the purpose of the church here. Why do we come to church, preacher? Why do we have preaching? Why do we have the choir singing? Why do we, you know, do what we do here at the program of the church? Is this a Baptist thing? It's not necessarily a Baptist thing. It's a Bible thing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Okay? Why did he give us those? Look what he says in verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying. That word edifying means building up. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Look at verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a 
perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive but speaking here, here it is church watch this but speaking the truth in love may grow up notice those words may grow up say it with me ready grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ. Listen, you know why so many people are falling by the wayside and messing up their testimonies and ruining their lives and their homes are just, listen, their homes are exploding. I'll tell you why. Because they don't understand something. Their heart is desperately wicked. Now I know we're living in a world today that says, preacher, not me. Don't say that to me. It's not true about me. It is true about you. And I love you. I do love you tonight, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. Your heart's desperately wicked. Now, that's not popular preaching. It's not politically correct preaching anymore. And people don't want to hear that. They want a preacher that's going to bring him in and pat him on the back and, you know, on the head and say, God bless you. You know, you're a good, good person. And uh, you know what? Come as you are. Leave as you, leave as you were. And, uh, but I'm just, listen, I came here tonight. I'm not a prophet, but I'm a pastor. But I came here tonight to tell you something that we know, according to the Word of God, that you're listening to a man tonight whose heart is desperately wicked. You say, well, preacher, if your heart's desperately wicked, you ought not be able they're preaching. Well, I got news for you. I'm not the only one who has a heart that's desperately wicked. You do too. So you know what that means? Man, we got to watch it. Oh, listen, we got to watch it. We got to be so careful about what we listen to. We got to be so careful about what we watch. We got to be so careful about what we read. We've got to be so careful about what we look on our telephones and and our cell phones and the internet and Wi-Fi. Man, we've got to be so, so careful. We've got to be careful that we come to church faithfully. We've got to be careful that we read our Bibles. We've got to be careful that we spend time in prayer. We've got to be careful that we walk with God. We've got to be careful that we get involved in the ministry of the church. Why? I'll tell you why. Because our heart is desperately wicked. Think about it, church. Why in the world? I mean, we're in the 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ. The curse is lifted. You can, you can go out here and just pet a lion. Won't hurt you. Elephant's not going to squash you. Bee's not going to sting you. I don't think bees will have stingers in the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, you won't have to worry about getting stuck when you go to pick a rose. You won't get pricked by a thorn. Won't be any thorns. Thorns were, a, thorns were a result of the curse. This don't have a thing to do with this message, but just in case you're wondering, everybody's talking about weed, weed, weed. Weed was a result of the curse as well. Everybody's talking about weed, smoking weed, and all that kind of thing, friend. Listen, there was no such thing as a weed before the curse took place. And God's, listen, the little reign of Christ, wonderful thing. And yet many will rebel. Why? Their heart is desperately wicked. It's why we need church. It's why church is essential. Tell you something else quickly, quickly. It's exactly why your children require discipline. You can't leave a child to himself. Yeah, I mean, you listen, I'm just telling you, you can't. You know why? Because their heart is desperately wicked. Proverbs 22, verse 15, foolishness is bound 
in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Why is it that kids do what they do? Why is it the kids act out? Why is it the kids misbehave? Why is the kids rebel? You know why they rebel? Because rebellion's in them. Our heart's desperately wicked. And because, because of that, many will rise up in rebellion against the Lord quickly. There's another prophetic lesson here, but, the, but it's also a life lesson as well. Look at this next thing. Not only because the heart of man is desperately wicked, why will so many rise up against the Lord in the millennial reign of Christ? Number two, because the horror of the enemy is extremely woeful. The horror of the enemy. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Boy, sometimes you, you, you're looking on your phone. I was, on, I, I was looking at YouTube the other day, and one of these videos just popped up, and, and, uh, and I, I saw it, and it sort of in, it piqued my curiosity. There was a hiker, and he was uh, somewhere out west. He was out, close, out, out in California or somewhere, and he was all by himself, didn't take a weapon, and he's hiking. He's just hiking this trail, this mountain trail. He's way back in the wilderness, and uh, this mountain lion decides he's going to take a great interest in this hiker. And so this mountain lion, literally, I'm talking about, listen, a, a big mountain lion, and this mountain lion starts stalking this hiker, and he's walking backwards. Now, he's got, I guess, he's got like a GoPro uh, camera on him or something, but you can tell he's walking backwards. I mean, literally, uh, probably for miles, he's walking backwards, and he's trying to talk loud, trying to discourage the cat, and, and this mountain lion won't leave him alone, and man, it just keeps getting closer and closer, and he says, go on, go on, leave me alone, go on, leave me alone, go on, uh, leave me alone, just go on, and, and man, I mean, literally, the video just goes on and on and on, and he's doing his best to try to discourage this mountain lion, and the mountain lion just stays right there on him, and you can hear him, you can hear him heavy, you know, his heavy breathing because he's scared to death, and we would be. I mean, he's all by himself. Evidently, he doesn't have a cell phone or he doesn't have service out there. And, uh, and he's thinking, man, I don't know what to do. I don't have a stick. I don't have a gun. I don't have anything, anybody to defend myself. And this, this mountain lion's right there on him. And you say, wow, preacher, that's terrible. And that is terrible. But I want you to understand something, Calvary. You're in that scenario every single day. In fact, you have something worse than a mountain lion that's stalking you every day. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Luke chapter 22, and I want to show you something. Luke chapter 22, and look at verse number 31, Luke chapter 22. And verse number 31. Why will so many rebel against the Lord in that last day? Because of the horror of the enemy. Luke 22, verse 31, Satan is, is powerful. Notice what we learn here in Luke 22, verse 31. The Bible says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan 
hath desired to have you, notice this last phrase, that he may sift you as wheat. You know what that word sift, you know what it means? It means a violent shaking. When they would sift the wheat, man, they would, they would take that wheat and they would, man, they would beat that wheat. It was a violent shaking. And the idea was this, they want to separate the, the kernel from the chaff. And so they would beat that wheat. I mean, they would beat that wheat and they would stomp that wheat. And then they would take a, a, a fork and they would throw it up in the air and they would let the wind carry the chaff away and the little kernel would fall down on the ground. And they were sifting. They were sifting the wheat. That's what the Bible's talking about there. It's a violent shaking. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you better understand something. Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you. Man, he wants to violently shake you. He wants to violently stomp you. He wants to destroy you. Calvary, listen. I want you to understand something. Satan wants to do that with you. Hey, young men, listen to me. Satan doesn't want you to have fun. He tells you do this and do that. Listen, just have fun. Satan doesn't want you to have fun. Satan wants to sift you as wheat. Man, he wants to shake you violently. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to ruin your testimony. Uh, listen, we have, I'm telling you, we have, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. Listen, can you imagine this? Can you imagine being stalked by a serial killer? Can you imagine that? I don't, I don't think I can. I mean, being stalked. You say, preacher, that'd be, that would be terrible. And you know what? It would be terrible, but you are every day. And his name is Satan. And every day he's just looking for a way that he can get in. And somebody said, if you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. That's so true, isn't it? Why will so many, why will so many rebel against the Lord in that last day? Number one, because the heart of man is desperately wicked, and somehow they miss that. Number two, because the horror of the enemy is extremely woeful, and I'm done tonight. But look at this, just interesting, this is just an interesting tidbit as we end tonight. Number three, why will so many rebel against the Lord at the end of the moon and reign of Christ? Number three, because the host of the rebellion will likely be young people. Now, preach, what are you talking about? Take your Bibles and we're done. Take your Bibles and look at Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65 and look at verse number 20. Now again, We've been studying this out for a little while, and so I'm not going to really go into it in depth like we have the last few weeks. But Isaiah 65, verse 20, really gives us a, a great look into the millennial reign of Christ. Isaiah 65, verse 20, the Bible says, There should be no more than an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child, interesting, for the child shall die an hundred years old. But the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. And those who, those who are born in the millennial reign of Christ who are mortal will be required to come to faith in Christ. And it appears that they'll be given ample time to trust the Lord a hundred years. But if they refuse, death will finally come. If that's the case, you know what that means, church? That means, if I'm reading this right, that means all those who are living over 100 years of age have placed their faith in Jesus. But all those that have been accursed, who don't follow Christ, they'll die by the age of 100. Now, we're done. You know what that means? That means that when this rebellion takes place, 
Satan will rally those that are under 100 years of age. You know why? They've not trusted the Lord yet. And anybody under 100 years of age is considered youth in the millennial reign of Christ. Now, we're done. Listen to this. Hey, young people, don't wait before you sell out to Christ. Surrender today. Surrender today. I thought about William Borden. You've heard me mention him before. William Borden was an heir to the Borden Dairy Family Empire. For a graduation present, his parents sent him on a trip around the world. They were multi-millionaires. He was 17, and they sent him on a trip around the world. But God used that trip to burden William Borden's heart for missions. During his freshman year of college, William Borden's daddy passed away, and he left, he left him $5 million dollars. In our day and time, that would have been worth $125 million. You know what they said about William Borden? William Borden said, I don't want it. I don't want the wealth. I just want to serve God. You know what? William Borden made a decision early in life. I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Billy Graham was 19 when he preached his first message. I was a teenager when I preached my first message. They believed that when David fought Goliath, he was probably around 13 years of age, maybe 15 When Mary gave birth to the Christ child, some believe she may have been only 14 years old, and yet she was totally yielded to the the will of God. Now, we're done. But again, it's mind-blowing. Why would folks who have made it into the linear reign of Christ, why would they rebel against the Lord? I don't think they realized some things. They didn't realize their heart was desperately wicked. And they didn't realize that they have an arch enemy who wants to destroy them. Now, church, listen to me. We're done tonight, but listen to this. Let me tell you what this message ought to teach us. You and I, you and I better make sure we stay very close to to the Lord because we're very capable of falling. We're very capable. Our heart is desperately wicked. And let this, listen, let this simple, simple message tonight just be an appeal. Hey, listen, let's walk with Jesus this week. Let's stay close to the Savior. Let's understand something. Listen, we can fall. If we don't watch what we're doing, we can ruin our testimony. And may we stay close to the Lord of Lords. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we thank you for your goodness. And thank you, Lord, for the privilege, Lord, to be in your house tonight. God, we thank you for the precious word of God. And Lord, I pray that you will. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll take these uh, simple, simple lessons that we've taught tonight. And God, I pray that you hit them home in our hearts and our lives. Father, our hearts are, they're desperately wicked. God, because of that, I've got to stay close to you. Lord, because of that, I've got to read my Bible. Because of that, Heavenly Father, I've got to stay in church. I don't really have a choice. Lord, if I ever let myself get away and I let my heart, Lord, take control, God, there's no telling where I might end up. God, I pray by the grace of God that that will never happen. Father, help me to walk close to you. And I pray so much tonight for our people. Father, help them to walk close. Lord, I love these people. I love them. And I know you love them. I can't love them like you do, but I do love them. And Father, I pray that you'd help none of us to stumble. Lord, help none of us to lose our way. God, help us not to get out of the will of God. God, help us to stay ever so close to Thee. 
Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two, and we're gonna go. How many are here tonight would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. If that's you, you'd say, Preacher, I know that I'm born again. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you just slip your hand up. Say, Preacher, that's me. I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. How many are here tonight would say, Preacher, I couldn't raise my hand. And if I died tonight, I'm not sure I'd go. And, Pastor, I want to go. I want to go to heaven. But I'm just not sure I would. If that's you tonight, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? I see that hand right there. Thank you. Is there anybody else? And you'd let me pray for you tonight. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? In just a moment, we're going to stand, and our heads are going to be bowed. If God has spoken to your heart tonight about anything at all, listen, we're going we're gonna to pause for an invitation just for a few moments. And if you want to just slip down here to the altar and pray, listen, you can do that. If you're here tonight and you need to be saved, I want you to come. And we want to take the Bible and show you how you can know Christ as your personal Savior. If you're here this evening and say, Pastor, I've been saved, but I've never taken that first step of obedience in baptism, and I need to be baptized, I want you to come while we wait. Preacher, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, but we feel at God's will that God would have us join with this local body. Hey, listen, now's a good time. Whatever it might be. Preacher, need to rededicate my life to the Lord. I'm not really where I need to be. I, you know what? I hadn't been really paying attention to my heart like I need to. And I need to come and just dedicate myself to the Lord. Whatever it might be tonight, we're going to pause. I'm going to make my way to the main floor just for a few moments. And if we can help you, we're here tonight. Let's all stand if you will. Father, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd speak to hearts. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd accomplish your perfect will tonight. And God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. You come tonight if you need to come.